But there's been a lot of talk about, you know, fees and higher education and all that stuff. We're not going to talk about that at all. What, we, what I want you to do is project yourself 20 years, maybe 25, into the future and ask yourself, how will, what will a university and other higher education providers, what will it look like then? What will it be like then? Is there any point going? Can you do it all online? Uh, will that whole sort of social thing of of university and other higher education, will that be kind of irrelevant? Will we be able to do a, uh, you know, a, a economics law degree? Will you be able to do it in sort of three, maybe one and a half years if you just stay home and get through it all at your own pace online and you're really committed? You don't have to go to six lectures a week. You just go to as many you want a week and you don't have to be bounded by traditional ideas of this this course takes three years it's it, it can be far more flexible that's what the digital world's doing is it? it's making uh everything more f- flexible so we've asked a couple of uh big thinkers in the higher education world to tell us what they think higher education will be like in the future we're joined by uh simon mcintyre now he's the director of learning and innovation at the college of fine arts and he's going to tell you about a lot of things but he's, he's going to tell you what a mooc is and how it might change either your life or your child's life. Uh, and we're also joined by Professor Pip Patterson, who's uh, well, a psychologist by training, has a long uh, history of of um, of uh, teaching in in the uh, teaching well teaching how you teach really uh, in universities around Australia, and has recently become a deputy vice chancellor in charge of education at Sydney University. Hello, Pip. Hi. Hello, Simon. Hi, how are you? Yeah, good, Simon. Look, after I threw that whole, that huge teaser into the introduction, I better start with you. What the heck's a MOOC? <laughs> uh, well, MOOC stands for Massive Open Online Course. And basically the idea is that... Isn't it good to have a word like massive in an acronym? It is, actually. Yeah. started with gaming, I guess, when you think about it. Mm. Uh, but basically the idea is you can have thousands and thousands of people from all over the world accessing a university course in most cases, for free. Yeah. So I guess the idea is the courses are not, like you were saying earlier, not necessarily bound by the notion of space or time, and it's about bringing a lot of different people together who may not necessarily have those entry qualifications that they would need to get into a traditional course, or they may not have the access or the opportunity to attend university. So they provide a really good chance to give equal opportunity for many different types of people who want to study. So we've all heard of online learning. Mm. Um, How is a a MOOC different from that? I guess it's part of the whole tapestry of what online learning is. Yep. Uh, So, I mean, if you think about how we live in the world today, we do things very seamlessly with technology in many aspects of our lives. So we don't necessarily go and stand in a queue at a bank anymore. So the idea, I guess, is it's another option for people in different circumstances. Yeah, yeah. The traditional notion of online learning might be that I'm enrolled in, in a university. I have to be within that system, and it's part of the study within that bubble, I guess, of education. Whereas the MOOC and uh, ideas like you know, online communities and forums, I can dip in and out where I want to. I can uh, investigate many different areas of interest. Yeah, but theoretically, if you wanted to become... I mean, at the moment, we have a very blunt instrument to, to tell whether someone should become a doctor or a lawyer, don't we? We say, well, did you get the marks in, in year 12? Um, with a MOOC, 
does it mean you could actually say, well, you, it doesn't matter what you got in the uh, in, in year twelve, anyone can enrol, and as long as you complete the course satisfactorily, well, you can become a lawyer. That's really what you got to do. You got to complete the course satisfactorily. Yeah, but I don't. Think can it go that far? Really, I don't think we're there yet. But no, I don't think there's any reason why we won't be in in the future. I guess the most interesting thing about it for me is that at the moment, in a traditional course model, everyone is rated against a standard scale. Yeah. There's a set curriculum. We all have to follow the same path, and we're ranked against that vision of what we should be when we come out the other end. But as you were saying, the flexibility with digitization, I guess it means that we don't necessarily have to follow the same path as each other anymore. We mm. can set our own goals, and we can fulfill those in different ways. How we actually bring that all together um, as in higher education, I think, is one of the challenges that we're actually looking at. How do we give that equivalence of meaning. Yeah. Professor Pip, uh, Patterson, so you've just moved up from Melbourne to Sydney to take up your new role as Deputy Vice-Chancellor Education. You know, you've no doubt been strolling around, you know, these beautiful buildings, and your lovely atmosphere, whatever. In 20 or 25 years' time, will there be any need for all those beautiful old buildings or will universities be able to do what they do just as well, if not better, without having any fixed geographical location? Three years is a long time away. I know. Um, and anyone who predicts the future is, is a brave person. Well, this is, what this, this is what this segment's about. I expect um, that uh, university campus, campuses will be as busy as ever. Um, what will be different is that students won't be sitting in lecture theatres um, listening to someone talk. They might have watched bits of lectures from their own lecturers or indeed from lecturers elsewhere in the world on the bus on the way to university. Yeah. When they get to university, they'll actually be interacting um, and engaged in much um, more impactful kinds of learning experiences than, than just sitting passively listening to someone talking. So that sounds good. And, and for, for a course like medicine, for example, you have to do lots of practical things, cut up rats and whatever they do. But for something like economics or arts or law, what, what do you mean by more interactive and meaningful things? Well, take economics as an example. Um, People might spend the time solving, discussing problems rather than necessarily learning about theoretical concepts. They can do that elsewhere. They might be um, applying those concepts to, you know, the problems of the day. They might take their newspaper along and actually um, figure out um, how what they've learned might apply to the analysis of some specific contemporary problem. But does that mean what, when I was at university, we called tutorials? So you go to a lecture with, you know, 500 people or whatever it was, and then you go to a tutorial with 15 people. Is, is that, do you mean the lectures will go, the tutorials won't? Um, yes, there'll be, there'll be tutorials, but there'll be other kinds of learning experiences as well. So, for example, students might engage in... Um, game-based learning where um, where a sort of simulation environment is is established um, in which economic problems might crop up and students will be ex- expected to solve problems in real time interacting with their peers. There's, I think what we'll see is a much richer diversity of types of educational experiences. But the one you described, it sounds like you could do that... I'm not saying whether it would be as good to do it online, but it sounds like you could do that online. You could do that online. Um, I I heard you in your introduction talk about, you know, what's so special about social. Actually, I think (laughs) we learn better in social environments. 
Um, it's it's by interaction with with people in a very rich environment that um, that that helps us um, sort through that sort of concepts, the values um, that we bring to a situation. And I think we're always going to be preparing people to. Um, uh, to work in in what are fundamentally social situations, so a lot of the, um, the the teamwork skills, the leadership skills that you need to be working in groups, those are the things that there'll be a greater focus on um, in in these uh, sort of richer uh, learning experiences, um, and, and that in a face to face environment that you can. Um, prosecute much much more readily. Do, do you really think that'll happen? I'm just again thinking back to my own uni days, which is about 20 years ago. But but you know we used to go to lectures and write everything down and not really listen to it, and then you go back and on your own try and make sense of it. Then we'd all go to tutorials and sort of sulkily sit there, and the poor tutor would try and draw people out to say something, but no one really said much except for a couple of keen beans who everyone else you know felt resentful about. But but when you wanted to pass your exams you, or write your essay you go back and you would be alone, you and your brain trying to actually figure it out. Do you, do you really think, and, and, and that's sort of an arts humanities course, um, do you really think that's going to significantly change? Um, yes, I do. I mean, I, I don't think the need to do that will go away. You'll still be doing that. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, you'll be working on much harder, um, much less well-formed problems um, where you might actually need the expertise of your fellow student who's done a different set of courses to you and who brings something quite distinctive to the learning experience that you need to work with because they're the skills you're going to need for later on. Yeah, yeah. And do you mind if I add something? No, no, I'd love you to. Uh, because it's interesting, you know, you were recounting your own experiences there of being quite disengaged. Well, yes, yes. Your mouth, of course. Yes, no, that's true. Um, I think what the technology will actually enable is a higher level of personalization and support yep. for students as well. So rather than the one size fits all, you know, I have to go into that classroom and maybe learn in a different way that doesn't suit me, the technology will be able to actually tailor a lot of the learning and the content to actually meet your specific needs, help you where you're weaker. Yep, that sounds that good. Sort of thing. And the other thing I think is that physical space on campus it might not necessarily be the same way where we have those, you know, go for two hours into one, then into another. It might actually be that we can break away from that structure. And if we have that digital personalization supporting our different areas of interest, we can go in and, and develop mentor models with people who may be in different years, with industry experts joining us via online or face-to-face, and really have the chance to work deep into specific ideas in a way that's a little bit more legitimate than how we may do it. Yeah. John's on the line with a comment. G'day, John. Hello there, yes. What's your thought? Well, I uh, last went to university in 1977, so I try to understand how university may have changed with technology since then. Yeah. And while there is a stereotype of large classes in lectures in, the say, first year, by the time you get to uh, final year, lectures are not just a one-way discussion. They're, a discu- they're a, an interaction between the uh, students and the staff in terms of trying to understand what you're, what you're learning about. And I think that um, a lot of the modern media these days is still very one-way and the, you don't get that interaction and, and learning about the things you don't know about. So that's my view. What, what course did you do? 
I did engineering. Yeah, yeah. All right, thank you very much for that. Um, Pip, your thoughts on that? I mean, John hit the nail on the head, and it, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is, yes, we want to go further down down that road, the road he was describing, yes? Yes, that's exactly right. More interaction, because it's through interaction that we that we learn. Mm, mm. And... And, and and when you say interaction, some people would say, well, yeah, but it's all going online and that'll be less interaction. I suppose there's two responses to that. One is it can be online interaction, but also you're saying there will always be a, a, a place for, for, you know, a, a physical spot, physical physical people in the same room teaching, yeah? Yes, I, I, think, I think so. There's something about um, physical presence that, that means a lot of the... The serendipity of um, you know in, uh, the exchange of ideas um, it excites people. It leads it, you know it helps make them curious. I think um, I, I think it's going to be a long time before uh, a virtual connectivity delivers that same sort of feeling. Although you know people talk about telepresence and and yeah. uh, and, and you know I don't know how long it's going to take to get to the point where you actually feel as though you're really in the same place and you can have that level of spontaneous interaction it may it may be closer than we think yeah simon mcintyre do you think that um there'll come a day where you can do everything you need to do for effective higher education without you know leaving your bedroom i think we're nearly there today to be honest yeah it, it does depend on maybe what it is you're studying so, um, for example, I work in an art and design faculty, and we did have, uh, or we do have a fully online master's degree where we have students from all over the world participating, and even lecturers from all over the world participating. Now, art and design can be something that's very tactile, but we had to make the judgment about, well, what aspects are successfully able to be taught online, and how can we actually use that to connect people and, and share their knowledge? So I think it will depend on what it is you're actually teaching. And yes. It's just about making informed decisions about what works best face-to-face and what can work really well online. But what it does mean, I mean, you know, this all requires sophisticated technology, but presumably once it's all rolled out, it's going to be a lot cheaper for everyone uh, the more the model is online than offline. Am I, am I right, Pip? Not necessarily. It actually takes an enormous amount of resource to create um, outstanding online experiences, um, creating, you know, really effective um, videos, high-end simulations, you know, with immersive three-dimensional yeah. um, learning environments. All of that um, is, is very expensive to create. But think how much you get if you sold those pretty buildings off at Sydney University. <laughs> <laughs> Nervous laugh. <laughs> Nervous laughing. Yes. Um, besides, we, we, our staff who are creating these um, fabulous experiences are also doing research. So there's um, there, there's a lot of value in in co-locating the teaching activities with um, with research activities. Yeah. So that students can get some sense of excitement from from what's going on, um, you know, at the very cutting edge of, of knowledge. Uh, Simon, what's uh, your think, yeah? Go on, Pip. If I, if I could just make one further point, I think it's important to remember that when students first come to university, when they leave school, they're 18, they've still got a lot of growing up to do and there's a lot of um, other incidental learning that's going on that's, that, that, that the um, social aspect of learning encourages as well. And I, I think um, as, a, as a parent, I would have been horrified at the thought of my 18-year-olds 
sitting in their bedroom all day yeah. with their computer. I'll take your word for it. I must have missed all that when I was at university. Um, <laughs> Simon, what have you learned about the the economics of it as you've moved to explore more of these online models of higher education? I think I agree with Pip in many ways that it does take, if you want to do something that actually works and is effective, it does take a lot of investment, hmm. not, not only in building resources or infrastructure, but something I've worked a lot in over the years is staff development as well. So, I mean, it's very important that they actually understand how to actually teach online effectively, how it's relevant to what they do, how it connects to how tech is used in industry. So there's economics of scale, I guess, but um, we, it's not like you can just build this machine and then let it tick over for a number of years. It requires constant adjustment, improvement, evaluation. So I'm not sure, to be honest, ex- exactly which way it's going to roll. It's sort of 20 years is a long time. Yeah, yeah. Although you're not accountable. I mean, you can make bold predictions. Who's going to remember what you said in 2034? Well, can I make a prediction? I do. will be doing all of these things. Yeah. I, I think that the main trend is, is going to be towards greater diversification and therefore greater effectiveness. Yeah. And, and is there a lot of nervousness amongst, I suppose you, you, you're only new to Sydney University, but you've, you've been working in the universities for a long time. Is there a lot of nervousness amongst particularly those employ those uh, people who work there who teach at the moment about how 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 their role is going to change. I think it's fair to say that that uh, people are paying a lot of attention <laughs> to the digital yeah. revolution, um, and of course, um, I think 2012 was a, a watershed year, really, with you know the the MOOC phenomenon, um, and and I think people are thinking, you know, what does this this mean for me? I, I don't think there's any need to panic. Because don't panic. I think um, um, it's going to take, um, as Simon said, an enormous resource to to switch the way in which we do things quickly. So, and, and I do think that's going to be a fairly gradual change rather than abrupt, an abrupt one. Yeah, and and I mean, is it? Oh, sorry, go go, Simon. I was going to say, I think where a lot of the fear or nervousness may come from is just literally not understanding how to transition to, to these new types of teaching. Mm. So that, that's why it's supporting people and actually showing them how the way they teach is still relevant. They just can adapt and, and do it in a new way. And I've seen that work very, very well with people who are quite hesitant to engage with this. And I think that will just continue yeah. to support At, people. I mean, is there the money to make the change? And also are the, the changes that have been announced in the recent budget, are they going to hasten or, or, or slow uh, the rate of change, Pip? Um, I, I think they will... I don't think they'll hasten the rate of change, to be perfectly honest, although um, that... Well, they may... It, the changes are likely to mean that more people are going to be entering into the higher education realm. There'll be new players, not just universities offering courses, and I think we'll probably see them experimenting quite quickly with some alternative and probably some more, you know, fully online models. Um, I think the traditional universities um, are aware that the the face-to-face interaction in the classroom is an important part of what they do and that, that the... Uh, that they nonetheless need to think about um, the different ways in which they can use online um, opportunities 
to enrich the experience in the ways that I described earlier. Yeah. So, so I think those changes are definitely a, a prompt to to think um, more deeply and more quickly about how we do things. Well, look, thank you for your time, Professor Pip Patterson, Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Education at Sydney University. Thank you very much. My pleasure. And Simon McIntyre, Director of Learning and Innovation at the College of Fine Arts. Thank you. Thanks very much. Great to talk to you both. You're on uh, ABC Local Radio with James O'Loughlin.